Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. It was just a short three game schedule in the NHL on Monday. All three games won by the favorites as the Devils defeated the Canucks 7 2. The Maple Leafs, a 5-3 win over the Capitals. And the Bruins, a 7-0 rout of the Kings. Not only do all three favorites win, they all cover the minus a goal and a half puck line. And all three games go over the posted total. Uh, Our play of the day, if you will, the one that we talked about uh, last night was the over the six in the Canucks-Devils game, which actually went off at six and a half. Hit in the second period. You didn't even have to worry about it. Um, and, and the reason we just were fading Yaroslav Halak, we knew that Thatcher Demko was getting the night off. And uh, the Devils, to their credit, they didn't give up many goals. They only gave up two. But Halak did what we thought he was going to do, giving up a bunch of goals. Devils win 7-2 to two in that spot. And uh, Toronto had a good game. Uh, five to three over the Capitals, and the, the Bruins Kings game was just ugly. I mean, Jonathan Quick. There's some nights where I guess it happens in all sports, but it, it's very visible in hockey when it comes to goaltenders that there are some nights where a guy just doesn't have it. He's off, and for whatever reason, not seeing the puck clearly, lack of confidence, whatever it is letting up goals that normally would not go in the net, shots that should be saved are trickling in behind him, and it was just an ugly night for Jonathan Quick. I actually would have pulled him earlier than they did. Uh, They let him stay in there for about five goals, and I think it's five goals too many. I would have pulled him maybe even after the third goal, Uh, but the Bruins win 7-0, as they have now won three straight games, and or excuse me, five straight games, the Bruins have now won. And watch out, because they are solidifying themselves in the wild card position for the playoffs. They're still a ways back of Toronto in the Atlantic Division. Toronto's got seventy-four points. The Bruins have 68, so they're six points back. Still plenty of time left to make up those six points, but they are 13 points now ahead of Columbus, which would be the next team in the wild card race. So they're firmly in a wild card position at least. Same thing goes for the Capitals, who are 10 points up on Columbus for uh, the second wild card spot. And the Bruins are going to be a team to watch out for. Uh, if they get goaltending, which has been an issue for them this season, but if they get good goaltending, they could be a dangerous team 
come playoff time. And the Bruins are at plus 1,100 to win the Eastern Conference right now. And uh, a team that certainly is worth a look with uh, how they've been playing as of late. Again, five straight wins for uh, the Bruins, who now sit with 68 points in position of the first wild card. Toronto with 74 points now. They are tied with Tampa for second place in the Atlantic, just one point back of the Panthers for the top spot in the Atlantic and four points back of Carolina for the one seed in the Eastern Conference. And, uh, you know, you're looking at um, just Toronto with the 5-3 win. Very impressive. They've won four straight games, seven of their last ten, and could be a team that we will continue to back here moving forward. And, And the goal scoring is always going to be uh, a possibility for them. And looking right now at the latest uh, stat numbers in the NHL, Austin Matthews leads the league with 37 goals. And he is your odds-on favorite right now to finish the season as the top goal scorer, even money you can get there. Leon Dreisaitl is at plus 200. He's one goal back at 36 goals. Chris Kreider, who led the league in goals going into the All-Star break, uh, has 34 goals on the season. Kreider, to be the lead leaguer, lead league, uh, league leader, is at plus 700. Connor McDavid, plus 1,000. And McDavid right now has um, 28 goals. So he is a long ways away. But McDavid leading in points could be the uh, heart trophy winner taking a look at the schedule here for Tuesday it's a busy one and there are some heavy favorites on the board you have the lightning at home against the senators Tampa is minus 350 Edmonton is minus 160 at the Flyers The Blue Jackets, minus 150 at home against the Devils. New Jersey playing second night of a back-to-back. Carolina is minus 230 at Detroit. Minnesota, minus 110 at home against the Flames. These two teams just played in Calgary on Saturday, and the Flames won 7-3 in that game. The Wild are now home looking for a little bit of revenge. The Winnipeg Jets, minus 230 at home against the Canadians. This is could be a fun spot. Montreal has won five straight games. And I don't know what's in the water in Mon- Montreal or what Martin St. Louis is feeding these guys but five straight wins for this team is very impressive. And going up against the Winnipeg team that uh, right now is sitting here on the outside looking in in the Western Conference playoff standings, they are six points back of a wild card spot. They've won four of their last 10 games, there are minus seven goal differential on the season, not as bad as the minus 75 that the Montreal Canadiens are. But Canadiens have been playing really good hockey lately, and 
at plus money on them and looking at the line here, you can get Montreal at plus 185. I think it's worth I think it's worth a look. I absolutely think it's worth a look. Uh, the Avalanche are minus 300 against the Islanders, another one of those heavy favorites. Vegas, minus 230 at home against the Sharks, and Vegas is slumping a bit. They've lost two straight, four of their last five games. They are very close to falling out of the top three spots in the Pacific Division and forcing them into a wild card situation, which right now is, it it doesn't, it's a little too close for comfort. So Vegas is just one point up on the Oilers for the third spot in the Pacific Division. The top three teams in each division are in the playoffs, as well as the top, the next top two points uh, standings as the wild cards. So right now, the wild cards in the Western Conference are Nashville with 64 points and Dallas with 61. Vegas has 62 points. If Vegas falls out of that third place and Edmonton climbs up, well, Vegas might not even be in the playoffs. Vancouver's got uh, 58 points, as I mentioned. Anaheim's got 59. They're right there. Winnipeg, 55, we talked about. So things are getting um, a little too close for comfort for Vegas, who at one point was in first place in the Pacific Division. And still, they remain the second favorite to win the Western Conference at plus 425 and the fourth favorite overall to win the Stanley Cup. They have to get healthy. Robin Leonard's got to come back. They're still dealing with other injuries. Stone, March Assault, Martinez, uh, Vegas. Should win this game. Could be a bounce back performance for them. But it's, uh, you know, as Yogi would say, it's getting late early. Uh, That's the second day in a row I've used that reference, by the way. And then the nightcap, the Bruins are minus 200 at the Ducks. Second night of a back-to-back for Boston. Hard to argue, though, with the way that they have looked, especially in this game here on Monday night against the Kings, winning 7-0. 7-0 against the Kings. They've won five straight games. I'm not going to go against this team. You're going to go against this team? I shouldn't have gone against them tonight. I. It's not that I went against them. I didn't pick the Kings on the money line. I actually took the Kings plus a goal and a half. I laid the juice, put them in a parlay. I thought, hey, this game should be close. LA's played good hockey. I know Boston's been hot, but LA's at home. They're playing good hockey. And uh, Jonathan Quick just uh, did not have it here on Monday night. So the Bruins won 7 nothing, and now they get to take on Anaheim, who, um, well... Gibson has struggled a bit. Uh, they lose 4 nothing to the Islanders the other day. They lost 4-1 to the Kings before that. So I certainly would uh, rather have the Bruins in that game. Uh, we're going to talk a little more hockey coming up next. Allie O'Neill from Caesars Sportsbook will join me coming up next. We'll talk about her favorite teams to bet on, uh, the teams that she is fading on the ice right now, some futures bets. Maybe I can sell her on my New York Rangers at plus 1100 to win the Eastern Conference. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter 
at Scott's on air. S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is the look ahead right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Get everything you need to bet the madness this year with 24-7 streaming, daily best bets emails, and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy for only $19. Whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against the spread, our team is here to get you ready for every game in every round of the tournament. Get analysis from our experts, including Greg Hoops-Peterson, on every key team, conference, and player to watch from the favorites to the potential Cinderella's. Sign up today and get the betting guide plus full access to VSIN through April 5th for only $19 at vsin.com slash madness. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Joining me now is uh, Ali O'Neill from Caesars Sportsbook as we talk a little bit more about the NHL. Allie, thanks so much for giving us a few minutes this evening. And uh, first, I want to ask, which teams have you been targeting this season? Which teams are your favorite to back right now? Yep. So right now I've definitely been liking a lot of those Panthers and those blue jackets over both of those are hitting at like over 60%. Mm-hmm. And especially when you look down at the home team and the splits and all that. So I think those teams are two of my favorite, the avalanche at home, um, definitely a huge winner. Um, and then, I mean, you can look at those teams and kind of use Panthers and avalanche at least into potentially the postseason. Have you noticed, though, the uh, that you mentioned uh, off-air that the books are getting a little sharper when it comes to yes. both these sides and the total? So what's the challenge been uh, on backing teams like that, like Colorado, like Florida, where there are such heavy favorites on a given night? Yeah, so I think you can definitely use that. Um, I know you mentioned the puck line, which is a huge advantage. You can look at the teams and their records and even their opponents on the puck line. Um, but I think you know, using that money line parlay has really been a big favorite of mine. You can kind of tease it down, I guess, to essentially almost get a plus money bet every time Mm -hmm. if you're using the right totals there. So I think that's definitely an option if you know it's going to go at least one way. What about teams that were fading, Uh, teams that are not in good form or you just can't stand putting your money on them and you just love betting against them? Yep, I'm going to go with the Kraken for that one because they seem to go through like really long wins or losing streaks. And then, you know, they'll sprinkle the wins in there. But once you just start to notice that initial losing streak, you can write that out and it usually works out pretty well for you. Well, you know, Montreal was that team earlier in the season for me, but now they're starting to win games. And I've actually been riding them on this winning streak. And at plus 185 on tomorrow's schedule, Allie, I might take them against the Winnipeg Jets. I think that's definitely, I would consider that right now, honestly, because I was going to bet against the Habs the whole season. And then what do you know? They get good. Same thing with the Flyers. So I think you could look at even that. I was looking at their like team total goals because they'll usually set that fairly low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're definitely, uh, I don't know what Martin San Louis is feeding this team, but ever since he took over in the interim, They are certainly playing some good hockey. Uh, Let's talk about this schedule a little bit more here for Tuesday. Uh, Vegas, definitely dealing with a bunch of injuries, uh, but 
if you look at the standings, they're getting dangerously close, Allie, to falling out of a playoff spot. Can we back Vegas at home against the Sharks here on Tuesday? So I think right now, actually, it's only minus 230 over at Caesars. Um, you can even play that down into just a 60 minutes betting at minus 160, and that's no overtime. But Vegas, they beat San Jose the 10 straight games, and they definitely got a nice kind of sample size added to their um, games last season. And since the Golden Knights even started, they are 17-4 and four against the Sharks, and they are getting Robin Leonard back tomorrow. So I do think that's really a good spot for them being at home, and they're kind of motivated to get that spot back rather than fall out of contention now that yeah, they have a goalie. Yeah, getting Leonard back is going to be huge for them. Uh, what other games have you have circled on Tuesday's schedule? Um, so on Tuesday, I also was kind of looking at the um, Blue Jackets on the money line right there. They're minus 150, but after seeing them, or after seeing the Devils really blow it out the Canucks tonight, it's yeah. kind of a big question mark. So I think that's, but it's still something interesting because I know that Blue Jackets tend to do pretty well against them. Um, the same thing with the, um, I was thinking the Montreal Winnipeg over just because I know the Habs have been really hot lately, but also the Jets can at least put up a little bit of a fight. So potentially the over there in terms of, oh, neither has really a great goalie. So we'll rely on the scoring. What about, you know, you mentioned the, the, the Devils putting up seven goals. The Bruins just blew out the Kings seven, nothing. They've certainly been hot. They've won five straight games. It is the second night of a back-to-back though but they're playing against the Ducks team that is known to give up a ton of goals, Allie. So on that one, I actually feel like we kind of discredit the Ducks a little bit. Okay. I don't, I think the Bruins definitely are the superior team when it comes to the, oh, just basic looking at stats. But when it really comes to like, oh, how they play each other, I do think that we might see the Ducks keep it a little bit closer. But as you know, with either, I mean, no one expected the 7-0. and out tonight with the Bruins, so we're just kind of waiting and seeing. Yeah, certainly not me, because I took the Kings plus a goal <laughs> and a half, which did not work out. Uh, let's talk to the futures market. Um, one team that I have circled, and it's I'm not just being a homer, okay, but the New York Rangers at plus 1,100 to win the Eastern Conference, I think is very interesting, because in the playoffs, we know all it takes is a hot goaltender, and there's no one playing better than Igor Shesterkin right now, the likely likely Vesna Trophy winner. Can I sell you on a Rangers future to win the Eastern Conference? Yeah, I mean, I think in the Eastern Conference, it's really, it's such a powerhouse there. Anything is possible. And like you said, some of these teams just can go in and choke. Even like the Panthers were one of my teams, but right now they're even slacking a little bit. So I would definitely consider the Rangers because they're way better than anyone thought they were going to be this season already. So. Who's to say they won't even make it all the way through? Got a coach like Gerard Gallant, who has been there uh, with the Golden Knights uh, most recently as well. Uh, What teams are you looking at in the futures market in the NHL? So obviously the Avalanche, um, they're the clear favorite right now, plus 400. But I think we've seen this in the past where they've always been a really great team. But once they get to the playoffs, they've really struggled to make it through. I mean, I don't think they've made it past like this second or third round just in the last like four years and they've gone to the playoffs all of those years but this year I think it's a little bit different um, I mean like you said Vegas really hasn't been as much of a threat as I thought they were going to be um, especially with that loss of Robin Leonard initially so I think that kind of works in the avalanche advantage because the Eastern Conference is way harder than the Western Conference so I don't think you know the Sharks and all that are really huge competition unless you have like those crazy 
upsets in the playoffs like you get. What about a and team? And then I also like what? Sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say, what about a team like Calgary? You know, everyone seemed to talk about them a couple of weeks ago when they went on this long winning streak, uh, playing great hockey. Markstrom and Net leads the league with like eight shutouts. Uh, could Calgary be a team to back here in the playoffs? I think so, especially if they have the higher odds. So it really kind of makes it worth it. I mean, I think futures bets, you see how playoffs go so crazy. It's like have fun with them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw what happened to the Habs. No one really would have guessed that last season. Yeah. So it's. I mean, you always have that like one Canadian team that really just surprises everyone. So I feel like that definitely could be the team because I don't think the Leafs are. Oh, so you don't think the Leafs? You don't think the Leafs? So we're going to so, fade the Leafs or, in the playoffs. Yep, and the um, Lightning. I refuse to put money that they'll win three times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be Lightning striking three times in a row would be rare. Ali, I appreciate yeah. the time and the conversation. We'll be following along at Caesar's Sportsbook. Good luck on the ice the rest of the way. Thank you, guys. There she is, Ali O'Neill from Caesars Sportsbook. Yeah, fading the lightning, winning uh, three times, lightning striking uh, three times in a row would certainly be rare. But I'm telling you, the Canadians are a very interesting case here. And and how many times do we talk about this when it comes to the world of sports betting? Right, you, the trends are are great, but oftentimes it's difficult for trends to be a predictor of future outcomes. Like you can talk about the history, talk about everything that has been done in the past, but how much does it apply to the teams that are playing right now? And you always want to be ahead of the next trend. So you want to pick a team that just starts to peak and go on a run. Like I wish I started betting the Celtics before they went on the incredible run. And if you identify a team at that moment, you can take advantage of good numbers, whether it be money lines or spreads in hockey. Obviously you're just talking about money lines here not so much puck lines, but you can take advantage of the numbers with a team that the market has not caught up to yet. Montreal was the worst team in the NHL. In fact, They're still the worst team in the NHL. Actually, they're not because they have more points now than Arizona because of this little win streak that they've been on. But they're still considered a bottom feeder. And the the lines when they play, they're always going to be a heavy underdog. But all of a sudden, they're playing good hockey. They're playing motivated hockey. They're getting healthy. They've won five straight games now, and they're still plus 185 here on Tuesday. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to win and it's an automatic cash at plus 185, but it's worth a sprinkle. So identify things like that. That's one case right there. Same thing with Vegas, who's been down a bit. Now they get their goaltender back in Robin Leonard. We back them here on Tuesday. I'm Scott Seidenberg. It's The Look Ahead here on VSIN. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Get an early start on your college hoops tournament betting with VSIN's full court bracket betting coverage. 
starting Sunday, March 13th, with six hours of free live video streaming on vcin.com, including the full bracket reveal and opening lines for every game. The VSIN College Hoops experts, including Greg Hoops Peterson, will analyze every game and discuss with the bookmakers making the lines to find the best early value. Don't wait for the lines to move. Start your bracket in round one tournament betting with the VSIN College Hoops experts on Sunday, March 13th at 6 p.m. Eastern, free on vsin.com. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It's a look ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Greg Hoops-Peterson will join me in just a minute. We're going to get into all of the college basketball, but we got breaking news in Major League Baseball. It ain't good, but it ain't bad. Uh, Jeff Passan of ESPN reporting that there will be no new deal tonight. Uh, but enough progress was made that Major League Baseball and the Players Association will meet again on Monday, on Tuesday, I guess. Uh, in hopes of finalizing a deal, and the deadline to miss regular season games has been moved to 5 p.m. on Tuesday. So, 5 p.m. on Tuesday is the deadline. Uh, They are done for the night. They are leaving Roger Dean Stadium in Jupiter, Florida. The deadline has been extended a day, well, if you will, a little bit less than a day, to 5 p.m. so that opening day can be saved tomorrow if they come up to a, if they get a deal done. We will have opening day on March 31st. If not, we will have regular season games canceled. Uh, That means that Greg Hoops-Peterson will have to uh, wait to get his baseball podcast going, which is always a must-listen to, as well as the Coast to Coast Hoops podcast, G-Unit Greg Hoops-Peterson joining me here on The Look Ahead. Uh, Before we get into the college hoops, Greg, uh, you think we're going to get regular season games canceled here in baseball? It's going to be really intriguing because, I mean, the MLB players, they just have been, let's call it what it is, getting the short end of the stick for many, many years in regards to everything like this. The owners, they have been very stingy, but everything I've been hearing, it's very encouraging. And let's call it what it is. If we wind up getting a 154-game MLB season, I don't think that there's going to be too many people are upset with it. Like I think that there'd be a lot of people that would prefer a 154-game season as opposed to 162. So as long as they're able to get done a deal and things are able to get rolling within like mid-April, I think that things are fine. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, let's talk about this Monday slate uh, in college basketball. Baylor backs up their impressive win over the weekend. They beat Tech is 6861 uh, how do you view Baylor now going into the Big 12 conference tournament and their potential for a pretty good seed come uh, selection Sunday I think Baylor is looking relatively solid right now, but I do have my fears that they could wind up getting the wrong matchup in the NCAA tournament because I still think that Baylor is a team that's a little bit vulnerable because they're not necessarily the greatest at the free throw line. And now you are dealing with an injury to Jonathan Chachwa, their leading rebounder. He is out for the entirety of the season. But what is really going to be big for Baylor is just not having James Akinjo turn over the ball. The biggest thing that I saw from them in this game against Texas is that 
He only had two turnovers, chipped in there seven assists, something like seven or eight rebounds as well, was able to score a double-digit amount of points. He looked relatively solid. If Baylor can just have him take care of the ball, this is a team that I think will go pretty deep in the NCAA tournament. I do have my question marks with that, but I think the bigger thing is Texas just has not been able to gel together as well. This is a team that was a consensus top 10 team at the beginning of the season, and they just have had their moments where they haven't necessarily looked the world's greatest. It's been a situation which the defense has been there, but offense just has not been able to get it done, more specifically the backcourt as well, and that wound up happening once again in this one. Yeah, uh, when you look at the Big 12 Conference Tournament, if Baylor wins it and can, instead of Kansas, can Baylor find its way on the one line, in your opinion? Yeah, if Baylor winds up winning out and they wind up winning the conference tournament, I think that you would have to put them at the one seed. I mean, even without Jonathan John Machado, a little bit of a loss there. I think that the committee will gauge everything that Baylor is doing and deem them worthy of being a one seed. And let's call it what it is. Everyone in front of them over the weekend wound up losing as well. Each yeah. of the top six teams in all of college basketball wind up, wind up losing. So Baylor, if they're able to take care of business, you got to figure that there's going to be a lot of carnage around them. I do think that they'll be worthy of that one seed. Okay. Uh, can a team like Texas Tech make a case to win that conference tournament? To win the conference tournament, I certainly do think so. Now, Texas Tech has some warts on offense. They're a team that they shoot 70% the free flying, 32 33% from three-point range. It really comes and goes because you don't necessarily have that one-star score. But at the same time, because you don't have that one headline guy, you've got a lot of different guys that wind up being able to mix and match. It could be anyone on any given night. I mean, the main guy for them has really been Bryson Williams, who's been able to give you 14 points per contest, shoots over 40% from three as a six-foot-eight combo player. But you saw it on Tuesday, or on Monday with Davion Warren stepping up, giving you 23 points. Kevin O'Banner was a part of that Oral Roberts team that made the Sweet 16. He's able to take over games. You've got a lot of different options for the Texas Tech team. I do feel like you need to get a little bit more of a go-to guy, but Texas Tech on defense, one of the best in all of college basketball, and defense wins in March. So I could certainly see them being able to win the conference tournament. All right, sticking in the same conference, let's look ahead to the Tuesday schedule and talk about Kansas going to TCU, laying five and a half. Is this a bounce back spot for the Jayhawks? I do think so. The, the, <clears throat> excuse me. Greg, you've been, the hosting, you, you've been doing uh, five-hour podcasts and uh, guest appearances on every single show on the network. you got to stay hydrated. <laughs> oh, absolutely. With TCU. I wound up setting them as a five and a half point underdog with his Kansas team. I do think that they'll be able to bounce back in this spot because you do have a Kansas team that they've got O'Shea Ogbaji. He's been able to give you 20 points, shooting 40% from three-point range. So he's been able to do a relatively solid job for this team. Max, I'd be willing to lay with Kansas is five and a half points because you've been able to get a little bit more down the for this team. You've got Jalen Wilson. You've also been able to get someone in David McCormick who have been able to combine for about 14 and a half rebounds per game. So that has been the big thing for this team. And with TCU, what they really hang their hat on is offensive rebounding. They're a team that they are able to get an offensive rebound on 
right around 32, 33% of their misses, which is relatively solid. But TC only shoots 30% from three. They shoot sub 70% at the free line. Damian Baugh turns the ball over a little bit too much. It is a Kansas team that they've had their deficiencies recently when it comes to defense. But at the same time, I just don't think that this is necessarily an impressive TCU team. Here at five and a half, it's a max. I'd be willing to lay with Kansas, but I'd be willing to lay it. Let's go over to the Big East. Let's talk about the game here on Tuesday. That doesn't mean anything for the standings, but certainly an angry Villanova team at home taking on Providence and the Wildcats. It opened up nine and a half, quickly moved to 10. Would you lay it with Nova at home? I think we've gotten up a little bit too lofty. We were actually talking about this a little bit earlier a few days ago. If it were single digits, I'd be much more willing to entertain Villanova. Now at 10, we've gotten up too high. And I know that there are the detractors of Providence saying that they've been getting a little bit lucky. And they've gotten the breaks to go their way late in games. But you create your own luck as well. This is a team that they do a relatively solid job down low. Nate Watson's able to give you 14 points, five boards. Noah Horkler, this guy with size, is able to pop him from three at an over 40% clip. Now, Jared Bynum, him shooting like over 52% from three fire on the road that is just not sustainable and it's a Villanova team that they rank number one in all of college basketball in terms of free throw shooting percentage they shoot right around 83% at the charity stripe you've been able to have Colin Gillespie look like the fifth year point guard that he is leading the team in points he's able to shoot it well from three point range himself Eric Dixon has done a good job along with Jermaine Samuels of being able to combine for about 12 and a half rebounds per game but you saw it the last time these two teams wanted to play that was an 89 to 85 or an 89 to 84 game that Villanova held in there throughout I think the Villa I think that Providence is going to be able to do a solid job of being able to give Villanova a good game I think that Villanova is going to be able to pull away right late but double digits not something that I'm looking to lay here I want to get to Villanova's chances to go deep in the NCAA tournament coming up next because we're we're up against the break here Greg but uh, I'll leave you something to think about Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology has Villanova as the three seed in the East, meaning they would play the first and second round in Pittsburgh, and then the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight in Philadelphia at the Wells Fargo Center, where they do play some home games, Greg. So I want to get your thoughts on the Wildcats' potential to make it to the Final Four coming up next. He's Greg Hoops-Peterson. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Don't forget, you can hit us up on the network at VSIN Live. Go to vsin.com and find out all the great offers that we have, especially dealing with the tournament coming up. This is The Look Ahead right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of city casts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are city casts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local city cast wherever you get your podcasts. 
Scott Satterberg back here with you. It's the look ahead on VSIN, rejoined by Greg Hoops Peterson. And uh, I left you, Greg, talking about the Villanova Wildcats and their potential to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. When you consider if they are placed in the East region, that means their first two games will be in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's a drive across state, but whatever. And then they get to play at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, which is a de facto home court for them because they do play several home games a year at the Wells Fargo Center. Knowing that, how do you feel about Villanova to make a Final Four run? Even without that, even if they get placed in a different region, I still think that they're a little bit of a feisty team. They were able to make the Sweet 16 last year, even without Colin Gillespie and legitimately they probably gave Baylor their toughest test of the NCAA tournament because Jay Wright is just such a good coach. He slowed that game down against Baylor to a crawl. Mm-hmm. It's a Villanova team that I do think is relatively pesky because you take a look at their, a lot of their losses. They've all come to good teams. And if you want to watch in that game last week against UConn, there was a jump ball in which it feels like the only jump ball was pretty much the head tie of Colin Gillespie in that one, if you wind up seeing the photo. So, and it's just one of these cases, which I feel like Villanova has gotten the lack of the breaks. They've been a little bit of a victim of a tough schedule. So even without this, I think that there's a good chance that they're going to be a make the final four, but even if they wind up getting placed in that East region, it is a big advantage for them to be able to play at the Wells Fargo center, but it's all about the matchups this season. And, it's become very apparent in college basketball. There is no one or even two dominant teams. It is very bunched together. Any of these teams could wind up losing on any given night. So I do think that having home court would be absolutely massive for Villanova. But at the same time, if they wind up getting the wrong matchup, it might not mean as much. Well, let's talk about the teams in the Pac-12 and the potential for their seeding in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Again, uh, looking at ESPN's uh, Joe Lenardi's Bracketology, He's got, in the East region, UCLA as a four seed, but he's got USC as a six seed in the West. And if I'm being honest, Greg, I'd rather be USC as the six seed because they get to play their first two games in San Diego and then just go upstate to San Francisco for a regional final. Would you rather that than have a UCLA team have to fly cross country to play in Buffalo and then Philadelphia? Yeah, I mean, the travel would be absolutely massive for USC. And for USC, this is a team that I can see making a little bit of a run as well because they do have a guy in Isaiah Mobley who's stands six foot ten. He's able to shoot the high 30s from three point range. You want to seeing them go on the road, knock off Oregon. It's been a team that's been relatively solid all season long. They haven't taken a lot of losses. Now they are a team that I think is very feast or famine because we also wound up seeing them play a multi overtime game against Oregon State. It was just absolutely awful this mm-hmm. year. So there's the best of it and the worst of it. USC is a team that they struggle at the free throw line. So I do think that any advantage that they can get is big, but I do think that this is a USC team that they are poised and they are positioned to be able to make a little bit of a run because he did wind up returning much of the backcourt that wound up being a part of that team that made the second weekend last year. And plus, you wind up adding in their boogie else, a guy that wound up doing some solid things at Memphis this year. He's been able to score in double figures, shoot it well from three-point range for USC. So I think that they're dangerous. If they wind up getting that seating, that would actually be relatively solid for them. How do you like them uh, catching four and a half tomorrow night against Arizona? 
I think that I would need more like a five and a half to six to be able to pull the trigger on USC. Arizona, I think, is going to come out very angry yep. after they wound up losing to Colorado. And that mountain road trip. I know that there was a lot of people making a lot out of that loss for Arizona. And it's not one that they should have taken, especially by that margin. But having to play against Utah and Colorado within three days, having to go to those places, that is one of the toughest road trips in all of college basketball. There are very, very, very few teams that wind up pulling out two wins in that road trip. I think that Arizona is going to be able to bounce back. I like what I've seen out of Christian Coloco all season long, a guy that's able to give you three blocks per contest, Ben Matherin, 17 points per game. And you've got a USC team that, while they do have everything that I mentioned with Isaiah Mobley, they just don't have the firepower to be able to match up with this Arizona team. First time around, USC was able to get the cover against Arizona, and they were able to hold in there for about 36 minutes. But then Arizona, as they've done all season long, they went on a big run to be able to put the game out of reach. Arizona's one of the best in the country at being able to go on those hot spurts, and that's something that you've got to fear with USC, them perhaps gaining down early and having to go into chase mode. Let's talk about the Purdue-Wisconsin game. Purdue laying two and a half on the road. Uh, Wisconsin's playing good basketball, but much like Arizona, could this be an angry Purdue team bouncing back off of a loss? I didn't think that it's going to be an angry Purdue team, but I just think that Wisconsin's better. I am going to be taking Wisconsin on the money line. I'm doing my write-up for DK Nation on this game, and I'm giving out Wisconsin here because with the Badgers, you've got Johnny Davis who's given the team 20.5 points, eight boards. He's won the front runners for the Wooden Award. Obviously, Oscar Sheba finding himself the betting favorite in that, but when it comes to Wisconsin, they've been able to do a solid job all season long at the Kohl Center, and it is really one of the best environments in all of college basketball. Knocked off Purdue as a double-digit favorite first time around, and Purdue's just not guarding his hole right now. On the road, they're allowing opponents to be able to shoot 37% from three-point range. Purdue, overall, with regards to defensive efficiency, points that you allow on a per-possession basis, they're in the mid-160s. That is just not ideal right there. It's a Wisconsin bunch that has been able to get a little bit more out of Tyler Wall as well. Double-figure points in six out of the last seven games for this team. Barry Davison is able to bring this team some senior leadership. He himself shoots in the mid-30s from three-point range. He's able to give you right around 14 points per contest. I think that Wisconsin has all the goods to take down a Purdue team that they do shoot 40% from three-point range, but just is not up to stuff defensively. Let's talk conference tournaments. Uh, in the NEC, Bryant is at plus 115, Wagner plus 125. Uh, Am I missing something here? Because I think Bryant is the easiest bet on, on the board right now in terms of winning a conference tournament. With Wagner, I would be in on them if it weren't for the fact that they were dealing with injuries. Elijah Ford, one of the main scorers for this team, has been out for quite a while. And you wound up seeing it with Wagner. They wound up dropping a few games late in the regular season. And the big thing with this Wagner team is that they lost to a fairly Dickinson team that was one of the bottom seeds and actually wound up getting eliminated from the NEC tournament on Monday. They wound up losing that game to Central Connecticut. They do, let's call it what it is, they're not very good. Patrick Sellers doing a relatively admirable job with a program that has a long ways to go, so I do salute them. But you take a look at this Bryant team. They've got the leader in all of college basketball and scoring Peter Kiss, who's giving you darn near 26 points per contest. Transfer from Rutgers. And while he was at Rutgers, I actually saw some relatively quality minutes. Now, Bryant has been a little bit 
off with her three-point shooting all season long at right around 31.5%, but Wagner is legitimately in the bottom 20 with regards to three-point shooting percentage as a collective. They're bombing it at about 27.5% from three. Outside of Alex Morales, you don't necessarily have a lot of options with this team. Meanwhile, for Brian, Hell Elisaius is able to give you three blocks per contest. Charles Pride is able to give you 17.5 points, 8.5 boards. Greg Kaxlixi, who winds coming in from George Mason, has been a good on-ball defender. I'm with you. I think that Bryant should be able to take the NEC tournament. Uh, what t- college tournament games, uh, conference tournament games do you like here coming up? Well, I'm looking at fade IUPUI because there's a chance that they might be playing five guys, and I'm not even kidding here, against Oakland. I want to make it a 24-point line. Opens up 22. We've seen it move to 23. I would say bet this one before it moves because when it becomes revealed that IUPUI is most likely going to have five guys because Bakari Lestrap will wind up going out after three minutes in IUPUI's last game. Boy, oh boy, it's going to be tough. I just don't know if IUPUI is going to have the goods to be able to get to 45 points in that game. I mean, they're they're that bad. It's IUPUI is averaging about 50 points per game this year. And now you're going to have to ask them with five guys to go up against an Oakland team that legitimately has been a top 100 defense with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis. IUPUI, as it is, is dead last in the country with regards to points scored on a per possession basis. That's relatively terrible. And I find it intriguing that UW-Milwaukee is going to be hosting UIC in their conference tournament game. And right now you're finding UIC as an underdog. I feel like bookmakers made a little bit of an error here because UIC is the top rated team, but they're having to go on the road because they pretty much waived their rights for being a home team. I feel like bookmakers almost want to putting UIC as sort of the home team here, which it's a very strange situation. UW Milwaukee hasn't been great. They've wound up losing their first two times against UIC, but it's very difficult to knock off a team three times. I think that UW Milwaukee has some feistiness, and I think that they're a good look on the money line. Greg, always appreciate the time. Uh, Try and get some sleep because I know you're not going to get much over the next month or so. Uh, I will sleep when I'm dead, my friend. You have a good one. (laughs) There he is, Greg Hoops Peterson. Catch Coast to Coast Hoops wherever you get your podcasts or vcin.com slash podcasts. I'm Scott Seidenberg. It's The Look Ahead here on vcin. 